0: Namaste Jai Hind, you're watching or listening to the ANI podcast with Smita Prakash. Today the topic for discussion is Tibet and China. To explain this to us, we have in our studio former Prime Minister of Tibet in exile, Lobsang Sangay. Sange. Sangay Sange is the first non-monk person in exile from Tibet to have held that post. His father was a monk who fled Tibet in 1959, the same year as the Dalai Lama. Sange was born in a refugee camp in India. But more about him in this conversation. Mr. Sange, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. I want to talk a lot about uh, China, Tibet and the Indian situation in this historically and contemporary. But before that, I want to show a short primer for uh, people who don't understand this complex situation a little bit. Uh, I'm sure people of uh, who have a background in international relations know a lot about this, have read it, have probably experienced the situation, those who came in, those who are refugees uh, and are watching this podcast uh, especially those who live uh, in America like uh, you do. Uh, but still, I think uh, for the layman, it is little important to understand the complex situation because it really is complex because there's so much of historical context uh, to this uh, to the current situation. So here's a short primer for those who don't know much about uh, Tibet. Tibet came under the control of PRC or the People's Republic of China in 1951. And despite several minor attempts at uprising, the Chinese military completely controlled Tibet. There is a Tibetan government in exile based in Dharamsala in Himachal Pradesh, India, which came into being in 2011. In 1963, the 14th Dalai Lama, who was in exile in India, promulgated the constitution of Tibet and he became the permanent head of state of Tibet. In 1974, he rejected calls for Tibetan independence and he became the permanent head of the Tibetan administration and the executive functions for Tibetans in exile in 1991. In 2005, he accepted that Tibet is a part of China and Tibetan culture and Buddhism are part of Chinese culture. In 2011, by the time he was 71 years of age, the Dalai Lama decided not to assume any political and administrative authority. The Charter of Tibetans in Exile was updated and in 2017, the Dalai Lama restated that Tibet does not seek independence from China but seeks development. So that was a short primer. Mr. Sange, um we will get into the situation of Tibet and uh, the Dalai Lama's position regarding this. But first, let's begin with your story, because I need to explain to my viewers why I am asking you to explain the entire Tibetan situation. When did you come to India uh, as a refugee? When did your father come here? Um, we need to speak a little bit about that before uh, we get into the entire Tibetan situation.
1: Thank you. Good to be on your show. I watch your show. It's very popular. So, Simitajji, thanks for you know, uh, hosting me here. Um, yes, uh, we always say you know India has been the best host that Tibetans could have. Because I'm writing a book on how to set up and run democratic government exile. Mm -hmm. And whenever exile community come, host country is very, very important. It determines your Mm -hmm. outcome, as we can discuss that later. Um, And then, uh, you know, my parents Mm -hmm. um, fled Tibet in 1959 with His Holiness the Lama. And they settled in a place called Lama Hatha in Darjeeling, a small place called. In a village called Basti. so uh, that's where I grew up.
0: How many uh, days did it take for your parents to walk from wherever they were into Darjeeling?
1: Now, then, two two separate uh, you know families, so two mm. separate stories.
0: Oh, they were not married.
1: No, no inside Tibet, no. Oh. They met out. Uh, they met Later. in Darjeeling. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So my father was a monk, mm. um, in a place called Lithang, Lithang Monastery. So, Lithang Monastery happens to be the first monastery to be bombarded oh. and destroyed uh, in 1957 on. Then many of the monks had to flee. And then they went to Lhasa. Mm. And they formed this guerrilla mm. group called Four Rivers, Six Ranges, Yushigandruk. And from my father's side, except for him, all the siblings were left behind. Oh. Um, And then he joined this guerrilla force, which escorted and provided security for his solid escape Mm. from, you know, Tibet all the way to India. Mm. So my father was, you know, he was also what they call um, corporal master who was in charge of arms, ammunition, and food supplies, things like that.
0: This is when there was an armed insurrection. It was not a peaceful moment, a peaceful struggle in those years.
1: Not at all. It was to defend our, you know, fatherland, defend our monastery, defend Mm. our faith. In fact, the other name for this group was Defender of Faith. Because the first thing the Communist Party, you know, uh, of China, especially People's Liberation Army did was destroy our monasteries. So they say, oh, they are the destroyer of our faith. And we must defend... Mm. Our faith. Hence, many monks joined the guerrilla group.
0: And your father's name?
1: My father's name is Kesang Chodak. Uh-huh. Yeah, he passed away uh, in two thousand four, and uh, so um, because he was corporal master, you know, he was you know all over the places to supply arms, ammunition, mm. things mm. like
0: that. So uh, you were telling me about uh, your dad. Yes, uh, and he was a corporal master, and mm. uh, he was part of the uh, the military. Should I say, uprising or defending or whatever that they did, but it got crushed, and then they ran from there, right? Yes,
1: because you know, when Tibet was independent country, mm. we barely had two, three thousand military personnel
0: standing army mm.
1: and and then maybe additional two, three thousand militia, that's all we had. Mm. And then the guerrillas, mm. right, the Tibetans, you know, yeah. like our father and so many, volunteered. At most, it crossed, you know, ten, twenty thousand, 20,000, maybe, you know. And then the Chinese brought, like, around 100,000 veterans of Korean War, Mm.
2: you
1: know. So, one lakh against twenty, thirty thousand, 30,000, there's no competition, Mm. right? So, I mean, yes, um, but they they fought very bravely. And they Mm. defeated some of the, you know, Mm. uh, Chinese platoons, you know. Um, So, they fought very bravely. But what they managed to do was secure a solid escape. Mm. From, you know, Tibet to India, mm. along with his soloist personal bodyguards and, you know, Tibetan military as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, so that was his uh, contribution. Mm. Um, but then even though I said he was, you know, he was a monk, he was also doing part business. Mm. That gets a little complicated. So he had traveled to India before. Okay. In, uh, in a but he fi- came
0: with Dalai Lama. He,
1: he came, yes.
0: So I I have to interrupt you here. I took a picture of you uh, with that uh, photograph in our lobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I have a little story to tell before sure. we go forward. So uh, the chairman of ANI mm-hmm. was covering the Dalai Lama coming in at that stage. Oh. Yes. In so those pictures, that picture which you saw. So he was covering, and there were like three, four other photographers. Yes. So, they were told that this is where the Dalai Lama will mm-hmm, be coming mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Uh, so, he was working for mm-hmm. something called the Viz News, which, is, which then got bought over by today's Reuters. Mm-hmm. So, when, when he was uh, taking the picture, he took the picture of the Dalai Lama walking mm-hmm. in with some other monks. Mm-hmm. And along with that, the AP photographer, mm-hmm. Associated Press, he took the picture too. Mm-hmm. Now, the Associated uh, Press... Fed the picture immediately. Oh, Our pictures went in about, you know, feeding a picture was also a complicated task. If you recall at that time, you had Mm -hmm. to reach a Mm -hmm. post office and you had to. Mm. So the picture was fed. Now, AP got the photograph first, Mm. um, right, in London. So they got the picture and uh, they just looked at the picture and said, what have you fed? The Dalai Lama doesn't have a beard. What you have sent, sent is a picture of a monk who has a beard He. this is not the Dalai Lama
1: Ah, they got the wrong picture they
0: got the wrong picture oh. so the AP photographer you see you're mm. talking about an age where not much was available on the Dalai yes, Lama true. right yeah. so yeah. it was hard to figure out which one is the Dalai Lama because mm-hmm. there's so many monks yes who were coming in so many instances, yes. over a dozen of them and they were all in the same attire uh-huh. so even though uh, a- the well, the parent of a organization mm-hmm. had the picture. He had the correct picture. Mm. He was a couple of minutes late, but because the AP photographer got the wrong picture, yeah. we broke the story. Oh, <laughs> So, so
1: it's a long story. Long so we story. we have seen that picture over and over again.
0: Correct. So. Of that, so that is an ANI picture, or rather, it's a now a Reuters picture, which was originally a news picture mm. shot by the chairman of ANI. <laughs> My
1: goodness. Yeah,
0: that's the history.
1: Oh, so ANI can take full credit. <laughs> and um, yes. Uh,
0: but the, I'm just saying. In-
1: congratulations to the chairman who <laughs> yes. you know got the photograph of the decade at that time. Yeah.
0: So at that time, it was like there were so many coming in and nobody knew for certain. But every what he t- tells us is that it was a historic moment mm. uh, when it was happening because nobody knew how this is going to go forward. Yes. Because you see, it was like China might take an aggressive posture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now that the Dalai Lama has come in. And that anxiety continued for years together.
1: Yeah. Even the escape.
0: From there, it, yes. It,
1: it's, it was called The Great Scape, right? Yeah. The, it was featured on the front page of the Time magazine. Yeah. It took for a around 14 days to cross from Lhasa all the way to the border of Arunachal Pradesh. Mm. So that's where me and my younger brother, we are going to Tawang and you know, to the border to retract mm. the steps and the movement of, you know, a Dalai Lama and our late father, how they came to India. Now, you know, was a very painful story because His Holiness was 23 years old mm. when finally he decided to flee because, you know, the yeah. Chinese were bombing and killing hundreds and thousands of people in eastern part of Tibet. That's Amdo and Kham area, you know, where mm. my father's birthplace and another province where His Holiness Dalai Lama was born. So it's very painful. Mm. So His Holiness, um, you know, he personally told me it's also written in his autobiography. On the final day, he, you know, uh, goes round his room three times, uh, praying that I will come back
2: mm. to
1: his residence. Mm. And then, you know, he disguises himself um, as a lay person uh, and then escapes through because there are thousands of people protesting and guarding him, telling him, you, you know, you, you should not go to the Chinese camp. Mm. Chinese military camp was inviting him for sure. Mm. And then he disguises himself, rides on a horse and, you know, uh um, goes through uh, the where thousands of Tibetans war and then escapes through. And then I'm cutting sh- the, sh- the story mm. short, but then finally when he climbs a hill, the person who was, you know, uh, taking the horse of his holiness tells his holiness that this is the last spot from where you can see Lhasa, the capital city of Tibet, you know, and your residence. And he gets off the ho- horse and looks at his residence and Delhassa, the last capital city, and then prays that he come back. And then, you know, um, then he will be met by uh, two of the Shushugandug uh, gorillas who were there to escort him. Hmm. And immediately he asks them, so what are your names? One the tempatarke In Tibetan means um, the Dharma will spread. Hmm. Right. And, uh, and what about other, other Kunga something. Kunga means, you know, treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just, wow. So, you know, it's good that two people I'm meeting, of course, he is escorted by his whole entourage, but now two gorillas who are coming there. One is the Dharma will spread. That's a good sign. And then Demba so we won't be, you know, bad as far as money is also concerned. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he rides the horse and tracks over. 13 days and in between, you know, he has, it it is a very difficult journey, right? Mm. Riding on a horse. Mm. And then at one time it was so difficult that he had to uh, get Zoh, which is a a mixture of yak and a cow, Mm. because they walk very smoothly Mm -hmm. up, up the hill down. So, and then his solidness, as he comes to the border, you know, and then, you know, he told me, he felt kind of some sense of relief.
0: This is border between Tibet in, and India. India
1: at that time. Yeah. So on the one hand, right, I mean, you know, you are a t- leader of Tibet and then you're escaping. And then, you know, a in, in few times, actually, Chinese uh, fighter planes, you know, uh, circulate around, you know.
0: By this time, has the word got around that he is no longer in Lhasa?
1: Um, yes. It has uh, after a few days... Um, because, uh, you know, uh, he left uh, on uh, the midnight of March 17th And he reaches Bhumla, huh. uh Tawang area on March 31st Tawang
0: in India, Arunachal, in okay. Arunachal this, yeah, ju- this is just, I'm just locating the places Because there are some expat viewers mm. Who may not know the geography yes, of this yes. area So th- yeah. I'm just explaining That's yeah. true hmm.
1: So, um, and then he says, you know, as he sees uh, the Indian, you know uh, they were not prepared, also because mm-hmm. another in- interesting part is that His Holiness was you know, escorted by two CIA-trained um, guerrillas, guerrillas who were equipped in sending messages. It's more like telegraph, but you know, not yes. a- a- advanced. All the way to Washington DC.
0: Again, a little explainer for viewers who don't know that right from uh, the. Right from the time of British India days, uh, Tibetans were trained in guerrilla warfare. uh, And then even by Americans in the 1950s, uh, they were trained. uh, Tibetans were trained in guerrilla warfare in Nepal area. And then, of course, they were there in Tibet after that.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Yes. In Nepal area. And that's later that they were trained. They were trained in 1956 on. They were trained in camp Held in Colorado. Okay. Okinawa Island.
0: Yeah, Japan again. And yeah. Yes.
1: Um, so, and they were parachuted uh, to true. Tibet, and these people used to inform. So, so, great escape. Everybody, you know, like was wondering where is the Lama? You know, the r- rumor is that he's no more. Uh, because then the Chinese started bombarding even his residence. Mm. So, fortunately, he escaped. Um, and then the President Eisenhower, being from a military background, who had participated in. World War, especially Pacific, you know, uh, region. So he was very interested. So mm. every morning he used to say, where is Dalai Lama today? So he had this map mm. and he used to put a pin, right? So uh, I think uh, four or five days prior,
2: mm.
1: Eisenhower called uh, uh, Prime Minister Nehru and said, Holiness Dalai Lama is coming to India. Mm. Because there were also, you know, speculation whether he will go to Burma, which yeah. happens to a Buddhist country, or even Bhutan, you yeah, know, or Sikkim, or Thailand, you know. Uh, but then is all in divination, and, and they all decided to come to India, in the land or holy land of India, right? For us, is very special. Uh, and then you know, uh, then India sent the welcoming group, and then that's the photograph. So this
0: welcoming group, which was sent, which I have heard, which uh, Mr. Prakash tells us, is that they they kept moving them from different areas mm-hmm. so that nobody knows exactly from where he's coming and even after coming he was first acclimatized and kept in a tent i don't know whether that is what your father told you mm. uh, but i believe this was there was a lot of surreptitious activity which was done because uh, there was security involved so the indian journalists mm. rather journalists uh, you know, who had arrived, which included some Indians, some Americans who were shooting, were moved uh, yes. again and again so that nobody really knows what they're shooting, when the Dalai Lama will mm-hmm. come, how many will be with the Dalai Lama, mm-hmm. if at all he will come yeah. today, tomorrow, day after. So there was a lot of that movement which was happening. Uh,
1: I'm sure it's all very likely because, yeah. you know, the communication is not yes. as, you know, fast and you know, efficient as now. And you have to do all this under, you know, secrecy because yeah. you you also didn't know the movement of Chinese troops. Chinese, yes. Um, and the gorillas, many of the Tibetan gorillas who came to, who escorted him, many of them returned back to fight. Um, so, uh, you know, so the insolence crossed over. And he says he felt relieved, you know. Hmm. Then he was just like to see and there were like few menons and others familiar faces right mm. he's oh i'm safe now you know mm. and then he came to india and then the famous photograph by the yeah. chairman and i yeah. and he gives his press conference at, at tejpur mm. uh, and then you know comes down to live in Masuri in birla house right mm. and after a few months you know uh indian government suggested uh that uh his Holiness and tibetans you know is oh, yeah, sure. don't live in Masuri, but choose another place because Masuri is a popular tourist spot and a lot of people could come and, you know, come to know. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, Tibetan delegation, you know, goes to uh, Dharamsala and then the head of the delegation comes back and says, the uh, water of Dharamsala is, you know, it tastes better than Mm. milk of Masuri. So, they convinced them. So, (laughs) I don't know whether I've been, I've lived in Dharm for 10 years. Water tastes good, but not as good as milk of Masuri.
0: Also, it's prophetic, isn't it? That the guerrilla warrior who was with him was his dharma. Yes. And you found dharamsala. Yes. Uh, There's some, maybe some act of God in that. Who knows? But let's come back to your father now.
1: Yes, sorry. It's it's just a very good, a very good point. Hasa means land of God. And we are in Dharamsala, a land of spirituality, hmm. you know, so, yeah. yes, in a way, it's karmic, it's, you know, karmic, yes. yes, definitely.
0: So your father, let's get to your father and your mother.
1: Uh, my father, as a, yes, my father, you know, he joined Gorilla and he fought several times. And he was, you know, uh, he helped the founder or the leader of Gorilla. He was escorting him um, and then helped help him and served him quite well. Hmm. So, even after he came back to Darjeeling, hmm. the head of the gorilla, Anu Gombutashi, right? He had like several bullets in his body, literally. Okay. So, my father used to escort him to Calcutta uh, to do the surgery and remove bullets.
0: Shot um, by the Chinese, obviously. So shot by PRC. the Chinese.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and then later he went to, uh, you know, um, London, the head of the gorilla, but my father didn't join him. And then, still, it's believed that there is still, you know, some shrapnels and some Mm -hmm. remains of bullets in his body. Um, And my father then went to live in a place called Lamahata Basti.
2: Hmm.
1: So, this guerrilla group formed um, one settlement. Um, And then I think. Where was this? It's, it's between Kalimpong and Darjeeling. Okay. Now, Lama Rabasti has become a tourist spot. They're like, you know, <laughs> okay. the lot of, what do you call it, uh, live-in, you know. Okay. Um, so, all the villagers have opened their houses
0: hmm. where they
1: have... Home know, stays. Two, homestays. Homestays,
0: homestays.
1: Huh. And that's where I, you know, that's where my father met my mother. She
0: had come as a refugee too. Yeah,
1: she has come as refugees. Now, okay. my mother's separate story. She was very young, hmm. right? I think she was barely 17 um and then uh while crossing, so her except for one, all the family members, including parents, managed to escape. Okay. Because they're more closer to India. Hmm. But then uh one day um my mother had I mean they didn't they were short running short of food. So they were going to forest and collect foods, right? So fell uh down the cliff and uh, broke her leg. Hmm. Literally, huh? Hmm. So I was told seven or 10 people had to, you know, bring robes and pull her out, you know, uh, somehow managed. But then but she was so badly injured that the family had to decide whether to stay till she heals, run short of food and die of starvation, potentially, or carry on. Hmm. So the family ultimately, you know, decided to leave them behind and then go ahead. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, choice of 20 people's survival. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, to 17 at that time, I mean, they were very strong willed, right? Migration families,
0: the traumas that they go through.
1: The choices they had to make. And then my mother was left with another sister. So they stayed, then they managed to cross over to Arunachal. Mm. Um, um, uh, And then they spent two years there Mm. uh, in refugee camps, right? Mm. Um, And the 80,000 Tibetans came eventually, you know. Uh, from Sikkim, Bhutan, but mainly from Arunachal area, so they were there and then you know, they were like, you know
0: What did they have papers with them? How did 80,000 people just walk across did were there any checks or were, was India welcoming? Uh, Tibetan refugees so long as you said you were from Tibet were they welcoming them? They
1: were. I mean the policy was to welcome them. So that's very good right at that mm-hmm. time so but then you know both sides were unprepared, right? They yeah. were unprepared to leave their home. Mm. And as they, if you, you know, trek across Himalayan mountains, yeah. I'm mean, can you imagine, month R- or March, work, yes. very cold, freezing, snow. Um, and then how many died on the way, right? But then Indians, India side also, they didn't know how many were crossing, right? Yeah. So th- there was, uh, you know, a place where they had to register.
0: So your mother came in in what, mid-60s?
1: Uh, no she crossed in you know uh late 59 itself oh, yeah but she managed to come but she had to stay in arunachal pradesh okay. for two more years with other in in, in refugee camps because uh i'm sure the indian government was so busy you know identifying mm-hmm. and registering yeah. facilitating others they had no means of you know facilities yeah. to You know, for family reunion, right?
0: So what did your parents have? Did they have some kind of an ID or something? Like today we have Mm. Aadhaar card. No, 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 nothing. nothing. They just said I'm
1: Tibetan. They just said
0: I'm Tibetan. I'm Tibetan.
1: And then, you know, um, it's a matter of trust, right? Right. Because also, you know, uh, famously, uh, the finance minister of Tibet, Shagapa, is Mm. written in his book also, in uh, uh, early 50s only. He famously wrote a letter to uh, the government of India, saying that Chinese have already moved in, they're going to occupy our country. India should send troops and defend us. Yes. He said, at the moment, we barely have 80, 80 troops, okay, bordering uh, guarding the border of India and Tibet, all the way from Kashmir to Arunachal Pradesh. We are talking of 3,000 to 3,500 kilometers of land. Yeah. He said, we barely have 80 troops. If you don't support now, it will cost India more. So now we have 8 lakhs, you know, troops, right?
0: Right. And we are talking about a period before the Chinese aggression on India, before the India-China war.
1: We can talk about it. How surreptitiously, you know, um, by their sinister design, how India was fooled, you know, with all the way from similar agreement, you know, 1914 all the, when final renewal was 1954, because India decided to renew the similar agreement, hmm. not with Lhasa, with Tibetan government, but decided to renew with Beijing. Hmm. And then, you know, and hmm. then uh, India said, you know, we want this uh, panchil then they, you know, yeah. read that, it was trade agreement in 1914. Yeah. And the day they changed that into panchil and uh, India said, now it's a great deal. We have great agreement. Why not we, you know... Um, uh, extended for 25 years You know what uh, Chinese government said You said no 5 years And ultimately They agreed to 8 years If I'm not wrong hmm. So 54 plus 5 59 Tibet was invaded hmm. 54 plus 4 62 India was invaded yeah. So The plan of Occupation of Tibet And invasion of India
0: Was the actual plan Behind Panchsheel Of China Yes but India saw Panchsheel as the peace offering or the peace plan.
1: Yes, even famously claimed that the term Panchsheel is a Sanskrit word. You know, so uh, the term you know is more or less coined by India. But I think China signed another Panchil with Burma or Sri Lanka it, just to take ownership, even the term Panchsheel, yeah. right? So it was a peace agreement, but China has already planted the date. Hmm. Uh, or the year of invasion of tibet and also of china right? now of india of india mm. um, now interestingly so when chinese troops uh, came to uh, you know uh, tibet so chinese prime minister chauin lai came here mm. and china made the request to india said look we are facing trouble you know we have to bring officers and troops uh we need supplies so to supply all the from china to Tibet, there was only one road. It's taking a lot of time. If they could open the Calcutta port, so that we can, you know, supply from Shanghai to Calcutta port, and then it take it to Nathula Pass to Sikkim, right? and India agreed, opened the port till 1962. So all the supplies, the food, and you know, ammunition, everything that was needed, supplied through Calcutta for the troops. On the other side of Tibet to invade uh, India in nineteen sixty-two.
0: It wasn't for the good of the Tibetan people.
1: Also, not good for India, you know. No. So,
0: yes, that is in hindsight. Mm. But at that time, they were trying. The lai sold it to Jawaharlal Nehru yes. that it is for the good of the Tibetan people.
1: No, that th- is why their, the
0: supplies are going
1: for the for the good of Tibetan people, but mainly for their officers and you know Chinese officers, you know Chinese troops who were in Tibet. Right. Who had
0: crushed the movement in yes. Tibet?
1: Not yet. It's you know fully not not fully yet. Mm. Uh, but then fifty nine crushed. Mm. But then the Calcutta port opened.
2: Mm.
1: Now there's always a mystery. The Chinese troops came from Arunachal Pradesh all the way to the border of Assam, mm. right? But after a few months they left. Mm. They could have stayed on. The question is why.
2: Mm.
1: One reason is that they ran out of supplies that they brought from Calcutta. Mm. to Tibet,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Because they could not provide supplies from all the way from China to Tibet. Mm. So the invasion of coming near Tejpur, right? Right at the foothills of Assam, you mm. know, they came. And then after a few months, they leave. Mm. So, of course, there was an internal tension as well in, you know, internal factional politics, China as well. But other reason is they ran out of supplies. So by opening Calcutta port... They made easier for Chinese troops to crush Tibetans' rebellions, and also easier for them to, you know, invade India in 1962.
0: And the India-China border came closer to India because yes. of Tibet coming under. You've written about that. You've spoken about
1: that. Yes, they have redrawn this border all the time. You know, so mm-hmm. LAC is always on the Chinese side, line of actual control from Chinese side. They keep moving. Had Tibetan
0: independence happened. Or Tibet being a country on its own, the LSE would have been above that.
1: Not just above that; it was eighty, 80 troops, right? We free yes. flowing, you know. Yeah. I mean, we never failed to demarcate and you know, um, you know, defend things like that in um, nineteen fourteen. Similar agreement uh, between you know, Tibetan Prime Minister and you know, uh, uh, the British uh, India at that time. So there was a choice to demarcate a border. One in, included Sona, which mm. is above Tawang.
2: Mm.
1: One included Tawang,
2: mm.
1: and one, you know, uh, included l- less than Tawang. Mm. There were three choices, and uh, and then Tibetans agreed. He said, "Okay, we agree with this border, which which makes Tawang mm. part of India." So you know, it was you know, in fact, British India was saying, "Hey, let's demarcate this border." So only demarcation of border. Mm. Um, based on similar agreement or the side agreement of the similar agreement, demarcate the border and Tibet agreed to have Tawang as part of India.
0: You know, I wanted to begin with your personal life. We'll go into that later. Okay, yes. Never mind. We'll go yes. into that later because now that we've come into the geopolitical situation. So let's talk politics first and then go on to your personal now, life.
1: That's true. Before, um, you know, I go to uh, the, uh, the general thing. Let me uh, at least, you know, give fairness to my mother also, yeah. know, who, who is always in Boston with my younger brother. Yeah,
0: you like she spoke about my about my husband. He <laughs> didn't speak true, about me.
1: So I just visited mom our and home, sons, right? I know. I just visited uh, uh, where I was born, place called Lamata. Hmm. So finally, after twenty years, and I managed to spend good, uh, you know, three four hours walking the, you know, gullies of our basti. And uh, and visited the local gaddi, you know, and mm. where you get chang, the local. Uh. And I had all the local dishes, you know. So uh, enjoying the memories of you our were born childhood. there. Yes, I was born there in
0: yes. a refugee camp. Yes, yes, yes.
1: And the uh, same uh, place where we went, where my mother had you know, two, three cows only, you know, so we'd milk her cows, and they used to sell her butter and cheese uh, to the place. Do you, you
0: remember know. your early? years of in course. you do yeah, yeah what what was tell me growing up in a refugee camp in India mm-hmm. as a Tibetan uh, what were you taught by your parents about your identity and about the Indian identity because you were born an Indian yes, yes. right you're ethnically Tibetan yes. but you're born an Indian mm-hmm. so uh, you automatically become an Indian yeah, yeah. how did how did those two identities sit with you So when you're young,
1: you don't know, right? Your parents keep telling you you're Tibetan, how much they have suffered, you know, um, sacrifices they have made. And I studied in Tibetan refugee school in Darjeeling, and all your teachers, staff Mm. members also remind you the same. Mm. But when you're in your basti, your neighbors are, you know, Sharpas and Tamangs and Yolmus, you know, Mm. uh, Nepalese, you know. So, you know, they're your best friends. Mm. So when I was very young, my first language was Nepali language, right? And then... uh, during our school break, winter vacation for two months, I did the same thing like all the villagers did, you know. So we used to go to the forest, cut wood, bring home piles and piles. And then afternoon, we go cut grass for our cows. And in the evening, help mother milk cows, you know. And then help her stir uh, milk to make butter. So, you know, I did all the thing. At early morning, you get up, you know, you don't have, uh, you know,
0: so, do your parents tell you at that stage that uh, we are going to go back, or there's going to be a freedom movement? You have to be part of the freedom movement. What is the, what are the lessons that parents uh, were telling you? This, I'm talking about now. Your late sixties, early seventies. I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah,
1: sixty-eight. I was born, right? Yeah.
0: Yes, yes. So, in the seventies, there is still hope for the Tibetans that Absolutely. the uprising. There is, yeah.
1: Yeah, my father was addicted to All India Radio. Right, he always listens. This is. Always, say, you don't understand. You know this. It, it was all he always listened to what ha- what's happening in Soviet Union, what's happening in America, what's happening in India, China. So you know this whole Cold War. You know he used to listen, and I was a naughty boy. What can you do? Right at night, when in the evening, Dad listens, and when he's not around, I used to open the in the radio, you mm. know, and play. And in, in the evening, when it, when it doesn't work, you know, he used to slap me and beat me <laughs> up, things like that. But he's always like, you know, oh, America should. It's Soviet Union and we go back, we get our country, you know. So, he had that passion. And then, you know, when I was growing up also, he used to find me like a hopeless, softy teenager. You don't have the grit and guts to fight Chinese. Because he
0: had had yeah, guerrilla yeah, yeah. training, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: he used to say, I never opened my belt, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for two, three weeks. Because you're always fighting and running and, you know, you're guerrillas. You, you know, you're always moving. So, he used to have, you know, uh, sampa. Mm. with the butter in it
2: mm.
1: and a bit of a salt in it. And then that's all you, you eat, you know, and then you get a bit of, bit of water and then you eat that dough and carry your supplies, you know. And then because you're constantly moving, he said, do, do you remember how many bullets fly by and how many? I said, you know, if you see a Chinese troop, you, I know you're just softy, you run away, you know. Mm. So when I finally got elected, you know, as a Sikyong, my late uncle told me, I wish your father was here. I became uh, quite uh, emotional, but I always wondered, my God, if my son is the Sikyung of Tibetan freedom movement, I I think he will give up his hope or something. (laughs) He never thought I'll be this tough, you know, uh, guerrilla fighter like him, you know. Uh, So, um, anyway, so... You know that's where uh, I grew up. So yeah, I did any everything that the village kids. Politics built.
0: was just not in your uh, horizon in the when you were a student. You were yeah, in I mean, Delhi University, right?
1: Yeah, first in Tibetan schools, right? Mm-hmm. And all are refugees. All are poor. Uh, because Tibetan School uh, was under HRD, there's a program. Human, called Resource, Human Resource Development of, the, Government, the, of yes. Government of India. Government yeah. of India, and there's a, uh, the society called CTSA, it's mm. Central Tibetan ed- School Administration. They used to run it. They used to subsidize the food and you know mm. clothes. So we used to get one set of uniform and one butter shoe, right? Mm. Then because we, because you're ro- young but everybody's poor, right? Yeah. We, you know, the young kids, they lose their barter shoes because they'll sell it in the market, the elder, elder, elder kids, right? And then we used to, you know, walk around barefoot with chapels, things like that. And we get one dal and, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, very uh, watery dal and uh, rice for lunch uh, and then one tingmo and again dal for dinner. So if you can afford one chili or if luxury, is like if you can, uh, for Aludam is a luxury. So that's how we grew up, you know, with barely na- nothing.
0: So politics was not in your, and freedom struggle was not in your horizon.
1: Everybody tells you,
0: but you know, young,
1: you know, you want to yeah. play. If, even though we had nothing, but we were happy, like kids running around, you know, playing. So, uh, you know, it was, I never, even you know, I used to tell this to Tibetan um, uh, young students also at class 8. I had a Dexmate, mate, you know, so he comes from, you know, Bhutan and his family, you know, knew about politics. So he asked me, Lop Sang, what's your ambition? And I said, what do you mean? What is ambition? You don't know what? I didn't know the word ambition. Class 8, okay. Mm. It's like, oh, ambition means what you want to do in life. And I said, I said, I have no idea. What do you want to do? He said. I want to study political science and I want to serve the Tibetan government. I said, where is it? It's in Dharamsala, you know, that's what. And I want to be a minister. And I thought, hmm, that's a very good idea. I should do that. So that's the only time my ex-mate told me about ambition and minister. But
0: t- tell me, did your parents' generation feel uh, let down in a way that uh, the Tibetan movement uh, independence movement became non-violent and because it was non-violent it didn't get the kind of attention world attention in the 60s and in the 70s
1: um, you know the one group of guerrillas remained in a place called mustang in mm. nepal mm. supported by cia the late 60s and early 70s when kissinger went to china nixon went america china normalized the relationship and that was disbanded um, and then there was this obvious, you know, issue. And then his solidness also had, you know, come of his age. He was 23. Now he's 33. Yeah. And, you know, was, um, then he started advocating, of, always believed in nonviolence and openly started advocating nonviolence. So some of the gurus were li- like, you know, surprised, you know, we should fight and all that. Hmm. But the His solidness wisely thought nonviolence is the way to go. So in a way that all this militia and guerrillas movement that we used to have stopped Mm. in early seventies. And then you're right from seventies on, there was no attraction, no attention, no support, no media covered. Uh, And then it went on. And then only in mid eighties, as his son started traveling, Mm. uh, then, you know, he started building up friends all over the world. Then he made a proposal, um, uh, it's called Strasbourg proposal. Um, and then in he made this proposal, the mm. Five Point Peace Plan, Strasbourg proposal, right? Mm. Then started getting attention. Mm. Then when he finally got Nobel Peace Prize, mm. 1990, then I think he brought uh, Tibet to the whole issue.
0: But was it easy to crush the Tibetan movement because it turned non-violent?
1: Um, no, inside Tibet, you know, because when Chinese, you know, they brought 100,000, Later more than that. Now presently they have anywhere from maybe several hundred thousand Chinese troops are there. They're like Korean war veterans. Yeah. So there was as I said, Tibetans we barely had altogether maybe twenty plus thousand, you know, you know, militias and volunteers, all that. So there was no chance.
0: Correct. But if you see that in perspective mm. of today's mm. uh conflicts which are happening with, mm. with America jumping in and helping out countries Mm. or or europe or Mm. any of them whatever you have seen if they were democratic exercises the way taiwan Mm. if i was to come taiwan is is a whole new thing which we'll get into do you think that the tibetans felt that let down that the americans did not help out absolutely absolutely yes
1: um so, you know, and some of the ex gorillas in you know, the day we went to Camp Hell and Colorado, they got in trained. Colorado, yeah. Yeah. They all were thinking America really give us, you know, yeah. uh really heavy uh arms and ammunition, you know. But they just gave them some, you know, uh uh World War Two, you know, uh, guns and things like that. Not enough. Not enough. Um so what America supplied, on the one hand, Tibetan gorillas were grateful because Given the fact that we had nothing, we were provided with something, but not enough at all.
0: So the footprint of China keeps increasing, from uh, you know from the fifties and sixties. Yes. And it it is done. It, it's not today that everybody talks about China's aggression. Not at all. And expansionist tendencies, which we talk about mm-hmm. in the current age, it had started way back then, and your country mm-hmm. was one of the first casualties. Yes, also, the America came
1: to support uh, Tibetans because of Korean War,
0: right?
1: Mm. Uh, because Korean War, Chinese were literally fighting yeah. uh, against Americans, right? So they needed another front distraction and nuisance. That's what they thought. That's so. That's why the supplies of arms and ammunition was also limited. So once the war ha- was over, that's it. Had they supplied, you know, fully, Tibetans had they fought, you know, um, bravely. Mm there was a chance that we could defend at least some parts of the territory. Hmm. But then clearly it was not enough. But then in 1970, 71, when Nixon went to China and cut off, he had like eight points agreement with China, right? Yeah. One was to cut off Taiwan. T- Tibet was one of them. How many uh, Tibetan guerrillas and Mustang in Nepal committed suicide? You know, say, so my God, this, you know, we, we just got betrayed. We thought we will keep getting these guns and supplies and so we keep fighting Chinese. There's a new president, new policy. Now they want to have rapproch- rapprochement with uh, China. They want to normalize the relationship. Cut. There's a final. Dis- okay, this is the final set of supplies we have, and this, this is the one we are not coming anymore. You're on your own. And then, yeah, we felt betrayed. For and sure. here are
0: these bunch of guerrillas who have left their homes and hearth. They've it. left their families yep. to to fight a cause, yeah. and they have just been betrayed.
1: That's
0: it. And they committed suicide. So
1: Several of them. Mm. And many of them came to Nepal, settled there. Because they have reached the age where they couldn't even marry, right? And they, they fought, you know, Those who were in their 20s and 30s, good. Now they're in 40s and 50s, you know. Um, but they
0: never went across and crossed over to China? Or did they?
1: They, they did. They Actually, did. Um, in um, uh, late 60s, Uh, the biggest cache of information of what was going on in China, the Cultural Revolution, right? It was disaster, famine, suicide, you know, um, killings. uh, The the treasure trove of information was actually gotten by Tibetan guerrillas. There's crossover because there's there's Xinjiang, Hmm. you know, which is Muslim majority, you know, occupied territory in China. Hmm. So that route there, and they take that route and which comes through Tibet, they go all the way to Satwan and Union area. So that's a highway. So Chinese troops were going back and forth. And Tibetan guerrillas from Nepal, they used to cross over into Tibet. And then finally, they, they used to raid uh, some of those, you know, um, uh, the uh, Chinese troops going back and forth. So finally, they, they got this treasure troop And then even CIA said, my God, through this, you know, uh, material, now we know what kind of disaster... Uh, that's going on in China during cultural revolution. So it was very helpful for... So
0: guerrilla warfare and they were uh, spies also. At that What a fabulous history, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. There they were, were few, spying few, on China. Yeah, yeah. There were a few uh, uh, yeah, CIA uh, agents with the telegraph of uh, all stations. Uh, but they knew
0: the language, right? And the, facial, uh, uh, the features were matching so they could infiltrate into Xinjiang.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, the Xinjiang Tibet Highway, 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 yeah. and then they could, and then rated, They got uh, the, the, the at at that time, they say the most comprehensive um, information about China. Um, That's the from Tibetan the Tibetans. Tibet,
0: ethnic Tibetan, Tibetans, Tibetans got it, yeah,
1: and then they were rewarded too. Okay, but then in 1970, just cut them off, cut loose. So,
0: I'm going to come back to your life too in between Mm -hmm. in the conversation so that uh, people understand and you know as to why I'm asking you about it because you're not just a politician, you're somebody who has experienced several cultures, you know, whether it is Tibetan culture, Mm -hmm. whether it is political Tibetan culture, whether it's ethno-political culture, you've experienced India and then you go to the US to study further. So you go to Harvard And uh, you're there, you become an American citizen. So, you know, you have you have various exposure to various cultures. Um, Tell me, at what point of time did you decide that uh, I need to go back to my roots? I need to become a political voice for the Tibetan issue. At what point of time did that come to you? No, there was never
1: an inflection point as, as, as such. But then there was like a growing, you know, sense that I should contribute. So, uh, then, you know, when you're young, you start reading, you know. Your parents const- constantly tell you, and then your teachers also constantly remind you of being Tibetan. And then, you know, when mm. I, that's when I, I was in refugee school in Darjeeling. Mm. Um, so, I went to college, St. Joseph College. Um, then suddenly, I felt, you know, I was in Tibetan refugee school, and I was among the majority.
2: Mm.
1: Suddenly, you are a minority, you know, mm. among... Uh, others, you know, uh, they were nice people, but suddenly identity, you, you mm. more aware, acute. Then we formed the student group. Okay. Hmm. And I was... At I St. Know, of, St. Joseph's. Uh, sit, but Tibetan uh, student group of Darjeeling. Okay, Darjeeling. Um, and then, you know, um, so I was one of the executive members, right? Um, then you start speaking out more about Tibet and Tibetan people. Because now they are, they are, they, there there's an audience because there's Nepalese and mm-hmm. others, they want to know... Um, and more awareness mm. and then i came to uh delhi university i went to Hans Raj, mm. right. and then i became also part of the tibetan youth congress mm. um and then then i was uh, then suddenly i became kind of uh, activist real activist so you so
0: were you one of those students on Shantipath with the tibetan flag and whenever there was a chinese delegation coming in Ye- Those students are so motivated.
1: So much. Mod- I'm so proud they're continuing yeah. that I've same... I've covered them so
0: many times. Yes. I've been there shooting with my crew. Mm. And they're here one moment and they've disappeared and gone. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, why do no. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I have so many stories to share. Like, yeah. you know, the present uh, you know, students, they're actively uh, in front. Those are allowed to go in front of Chinese embassy yeah. and also India Gate. Mm. And then they remove us from, you know, uh, Chinese embassy later, they remove us from uh, India Gay. Then, you know, now it's Janpat, you know, so it's not that exciting. Yeah. So I I spent three years at Hansraj College. Yeah. So each year, uh, the principal calls mm. me and mm. head of the, uh, department calls me and say, you can't sit for exam because you attendance thirty three thirty six 36% first year and 34% second mm. year and 33%,
2: you
1: know, mm. uh, no, less than 50% in area. And then now you can sit for exam. And I always used to make a special request, and then mm. they allowed me to sit for exam. And I never. So we had this, you know, uh, one anniversary. I don't know, 50th some anniversary. Uh, mm. Hansraj and all the alumni, ex students mm. came, and I saw uh, my ex principal and ex teacher in front, and I said, I never told you this, but, you know, if you check my attendance of Chinese embassy and my school my attendance would have been 100%. <laughs> <laughs> it was true. I was always running organizing and organizing, you know, protests and rallies. and you know. So, really, my attendance was, if not 100%, maybe I'm... I, of course, I watch movies. So, is it you Tibetan
0: know. youth? For you, it was very clear that China is enemy? Yes, yes. Absolutely.
1: That's it. Chinese embassy, you know. Each time we pass by, you say, we'll come back on March 10th, and we'll come back on, you know, December 10th, we'll protest. And obviously... You know, the uh, Chennai police station will bring the additional, you know, troops, reinforcement and arrest us. And then, but again, all the time, SHO of Chennai police station is also very nice. Ah, Ho gaya, theke, andar raho. Uh, ja so hai, de de Yeah, to yeah, go.
0: my college was there and our university specials had to do that chakkar yes. Because uh, all all of you were in buses then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there was no way that we could go take that route because okay, the Tibetans are protesting yeah, today. Yeah, There's
1: to barricade. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that barricade would come up in front of the
1: Which college? Uh, Jesus
0: and Mary College.
1: Oh, you're on the south side. Yes. So ah. so
0: we couldn't cross over because yeah. the Which Year, which year? was it? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. I was there. <laughs> My from audience eight, is immediately <laughs> going to date me.
1: <laughs> um, I was there from '88 to '95. Correct. Yes. Similar,
0: same time. Yes. See. So, <laughs> yeah. So, this is what I'm trying to say is that uh, you know, uh, the for for Delhi uh, youth mm. who've seen these protests, mm. many people don't know the the angst that you people were going through at that stage, yeah, I mean. and because we were constantly told in India that. Mm china is not an enemy yeah we are a generation which has grown up on the punch shield. Mm-hmm. we have gr- even though there is a war that has been fought by china this is a larger country yeah. today's india is a different india yes you know it has f- seen the galwan clashes mm-hmm. it has seen what has happened and the 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 betrayal has happened once again yes. so it is today's youth when you talk about don't have that uh, you know that mindset that mm-hmm. maybe my generation had yeah. that you can't go to war with this country and this country is not going to have an aggressive posture towards you yeah. we were we were a generation which grew up on Panchil. Yeah. but that didn't touch you even though you went not to delhi university i
1: mean we've been you know shouting and screaming for 60 years all over the world saying hey you don't know who you're dealing with china occupied our country brutalize our people kill Around a million Tibetans died because of killing, starvation, committing suicide, all that. 98% of monasteries and nunneries were destroyed. 98%. 99.9% of monks and nuns were disrobed. 75% of 80% of treasures in monasteries, right? Looted, burned, sold, you know. Thousand years old civilization that we worked so hard brought from Nalanda to Tibet, reduced to ashes. And then obviously when my uncle got killed, uncle got imprisoned. you know, when you grew up with that kind of stories, no matter what, you know, you have to fight for your cause. So you have to be part of it, right? So that, that runs through even the present generation. So I'm so happy that not only in Delhi University, all over India where you where Tibetans are, Always protesting, always participating, you know, in activities Mm. to, um, on the one hand, affirm one's identity and also highlight, uh, you know, what went in our country. So nowadays I've been saying it's in a way part of vindication. I say, if you want to understand China, you must understand Tibet. If you don't understand Tibet, you will never understand China. So, like you said, you you know you grew up in this punchy Hindi-China bye-bye, you know, that kind of story. No matter how many times we share our stories with Indian, you know, uh, classmates and college mates, ha ha ha, but uh, to hum, hum bhi, you know we also bake. Kya kar sakte? Hum dono kareg, ho I said no, no, you don't know who you're dealing with, right? So when Doklam happened in uh, 2017 and Galwan happened in 2020. What, what's happening? That's what we've been telling you. It's been happening all this time. Now look at the border, LAC. They have moved, you know, how many miles and kilometers inside India from 59 till now. Right? You've been losing territories after territories after territories. Now they're making claim in Galwan, uh, Doklam, right? Which is you know, very crucial, uh, you know, as far as Chicken Neck is concerned. You know, it's right between Sikkim and Bhutan. You know. Um, uh, So now they're making claim. Uh, Now they have like uh, uh, in Doklam, they have built, uh, you know, helicopter uh, landing space and whole military, uh, you know, camp has come uh, uh, with permanent fixture.
0: In Galwan, uh, and I quote, uh, after the Galvan clashes between India and China in 2020, you said, and I quote, uh, Tibet is the reason for the tension. All these border problems have come up since the Indo-Tibetan border was transformed into the Indo-China border. Yes. You maintain that still. Of course. That it was perfidy at that time. Yes. We are paying the price for it now.
1: Yes. Because as I mentioned, the, for, the finance minister of Tibet said, yes, you know, we have only 80 Tibetan troops Hmm. at the border.
0: Hmm.
1: Now you'll pay the price. That prophecy has come true. And in 50s only, you Hmm. know, when Chinese army invaded Tibet, Chinese leaders said, Tibet is the palm, right? We have to take over. Then we go after five fingers, right? Ladakh, Nepal, Bhutan, Sikkim, and Arunachal Pradesh, right? So we've been saying that our country was occupied. Now they'll come after you. Hmm. No one believed now, suddenly, oh, their influence in Nepal is so strong. They are trying to pressure Bhutan now, right? And they are claiming these uh, yeah. Doglam in Sikkim and Galwan. And Arunachal, they already shown in the map the Arunachal Tawang area belongs to China, right? Hmm. So the Five Fingers is already being spotted and declared, hmm. right? So now, oh, so now India is also learning after 60 years.
0: Do you see a parallel between what's happening in Bhutan and what happened in Tibet?
1: Yes. You know, now Bhutan is aware, mm. right? And India is also aware from what happened in Tibet. So similar Hong Kong time, they also say, say the same thing. What happened to Tibet, we will be next. We won't allow it to happen. But it happened in Hong Kong, anyways. So Bhutan also says the same thing. We won't allow Bhutan to be next Tibet.
2: You know, mm.
1: but they were putting. They will put all kinds of pressure. You know, Hmm. and constantly they will do that. Look what happened in Nepal. Nepal is under tremendous pressure from Chinese side, you know. So, you know, it's a fact that go back to Chinese history, you know, from ancient times. China is an expansionist empire. Hmm. So Han Chinese inhabited area is only 40% of the territory. So mainly around and between... Uh, Yellow River and Yangtze River. That's where even now today, 90% of Han Chinese live in that area. Mm. Rest of the 60% were occupied by China. Tibet constitute almost 20 plus percent, maybe 25%. Uyghur constituted eighteen, nineteen 18, 19%. Then Inner Mongolia, mm. then Manchuria. If you look at the Great Wall of China, which they proudly say you can even see from the moon, was the permanent border between China and all the northern neighbors, right? Mm. So it took 1000 years to build that wall, say that this is our border. We want to guard ourselves from the barbarians, Mongols and Manchus, the foreigners, the invaders, mm. right? Now, where is the uh, Great Wall? Great Wall, you know, it's inside. a mm. Mongolia, Manchuria, whole yeah. northern belt.
0: Not right? just a physical wall you're yeah, talking about. Now,
1: now, beyond Great Wall, they have occupied all this territory. So 60% of present day China, all occupied. Expanded. Yeah. That's why now they are claiming uh, in South China Sea, East China Sea, and Taiwan, even in the sea, they are claiming, right? So we must understand that China is an expansionist empire. For if you read the history, um, the Sun Tzu's art of war, what? expansion uh, is your achievement. Yeah. And uh, deception is an art. Mm-hmm. If you deceive someone. You get rewarded and they don't feel guilty about it at all. They say, well, statecraft, it says craft. This is what I do. If you lose too bad, you lost. You know. So when
0: you talk about the one China policy, let's talk about Taiwan now. And President Xi has made it quite apparent that even if it's necessary by force, it will occupy uh, Taiwan, make it part of it. Do you see that happening in the near future? Yes, absolutely. Hmm.
1: Because uh, Xi Jinping's extension as the president for third term one of the main reasons he gave was Taiwan. Economy was growing. China is becoming powerful. All that, all the president, mm-hmm. Cheng Zemin, Hu Jintao, you know, especially Deng Shopping, they all can claim the credit. Mao Zedong unified the motherland, right? And what credit he can claim. And he did take over Hong Kong. Hmm. Now, only one left is Taiwan. Because, you know, this, this so-called Chinese dream. What is Chinese dream? Chinese dream. Now, Chinese are very good at putting such a nice word. But the meaning is, for 2,000 years, China was number one in the world. But for 100 years, humiliated, right, from, uh, you know, uh, mid-19th century to uh, mid-20th century. For 100 years, we were humiliated mainly by the West and especially Japan. Mm. It was an aberration. Now, we have become powerful. So our dream is to be number one. So, Communist Party of China has declared, uh, Xi Jinping has also declared, that PRC was founded in 1949. So, by 2049, we want to be number one in the world. To be number one, first we must consolidate what is ours. Right? Taiwan included. And Xi Jinping, just recently, I mean, he has told generals, you know, not just one time, at least a dozen times, prepare yourself for war. And according to recent Biden Xi Jinping's meeting, there was a leaked document where Xi Jinping apparently told Biden, saying, "Hey, um, I, you know, we have a plan to take over Taiwan. Only thing we have not decided is the date. So your Air Force General says that it will be in two thousand twenty-five, and the Pacific Commander says two thousand twenty-seven. They're wrong. Date we have not decided, but you know we will take over. So." His legitimacy and to stay on for another term, which it looks like he wants to, Taiwan is the main conflict, um, uh, main goal. And I've been on the record saying it will happen sooner than later. Now, two thousand twenty-four is an year of election
0: everywhere in the world.
1: Um, yeah, and including fi- America. Fifty percent of the world population in yeah. sixty countries, there will be election. India will be election, distraction. Yeah. America will be in election, distraction, right? And then, you know, so when did China take over Hong Kong? I mean, when security law was imposed and then cracked down, essentially, you know, uh, full control of Hong Kong during pandemic, when world was distracted in June of 2020.
0: Doklam yeah. and Galwan too.
1: Doklam and Galwan too. And then again, when actually both, you know, Doklam and Galwan was when Xi Jinping was visiting India Almost right? remember during Doklam mm-hmm. happened. It's like why did it happen? No, oh, some rogue generals, you know, must have done this. Xinjiang, I mean, he's here. He's looking into our eyes and saying, "Hey, my troops are there. You know, how are you going to, you know, deal with this?" Right. Thankfully, India sent troops. Especially Galwan, India sent troops. We are going to handle it this way. Right? Sends a good message. They respect power. You know. Mm-hmm. So they always, you know, plan it because Galwan happened. When India and uh, China was, uh, you know, supposed to celebrate the 50th anniversary of diplomatic relationship and to have like 50 events all over India and China. Can you imagine that anniversary year? They come and, you know, uh, kill Indian troops. And so you think
0: 2024 is a period, is a year where Taiwan is vulnerable to an attack?
1: From 2024 on, yes, it has begun now, you know, so why would they do all this troops movement Mm. you know uh naval exercise Mm. you know missiles firing everything blockade or take over um and then now many people say now many experts have concluded 2027 is the deadline Mm. but definitely 2029 is the deadline because by then Chinese troops Chinese military capacity would have overtaken American military capacity by 2029. Everybody says that. Some say even 2027, right? So China would be naval, um, from aircraft point of view, you know, Navy uh, point of view, they will, they can, more troops you have, more Navy power you have, ultimately war is won by quantity, hmm. often than quality. So more number you can take over. So every expert agree. Is t- 2027 or 2029. But then for America to move its troops from all the way from America to bring it to Pacific, and Chinese to reinforce in their own area is far more easier. But everybody agrees. So 2027 or 29, definitely, you know. Definitely. Yes, because that's... Now, why I say definitely for a few reasons. One is whenever there is a great power struggle, you know, Thucydides cities trap, right? This... Mm. Uh, a book written by Graham Ellison, yeah. Dean of Howard Kennedy School. He has done a research of 2,000 years of great war, great power struggle. So 16 times when a number two tried to take over, tries to take over number one, out of 16 times, 12 times were done through war, which means 75% of the time, number two and number one has to clash, and you take over. So hist- history says that. you have When you have 75% chances, mm. That there will be a war means definite comes to that in conclusion. Now, other small reason which is neglected by everybody is since President Chen Chiu-Ben of DPP got elected in the year 2000, they changed the textbook of curriculum of Taiwan. Before they all were taught that you are Chinese, you are, you know, uh, from China and all that. They changed the textbook and made them a Taiwan Taiwanese. Mm. So since 2000, right now 2023 so all the teenagers and youth now
0: think of themselves as Taiwanese Taiwanese.
1: now many surveys and polls have come out now around 62 to 66% of people in Taiwan think themselves as Taiwanese not as Chinese and those think themselves as Chinese are decreasing because because of age they are dying right Mm. now Xi Jinping is sitting there and says oh on March uh, in January uh, 13th if DPP wins Right, which is likely they're slightly ahead, then another four years of same curriculum and another four years of same awareness, then I would say they will reach the tipping point.
0: Hmm.
1: 70% of Taiwanese will think they are Taiwanese.
0: No one China.
1: No one China. Then like Xinjiang was looking at it, he'll, he'll get paranoid and said, I'm losing Taiwan. Hmm. Unless I use force and occupy Taiwan, because if Taiwan people in Taiwan start thinking we are Taiwanese, there's no way they will agree like people in Hong Kong.
0: But, uh, if I was to draw parallels, it's not a Tibet. It's not going to be so easy to crush Taiwan. There's world attention now. This isn't the 50s. Do you think it'll be easy?
1: You know, you can say that. But in November of, you know, uh, 2019, you know, I, I went to this Halifax Secure Forum where all the top, you know, security people and human rights activists and democracy activists all come. So I was sitting next to a... a Hong Kong member of parliament and Hong Kong activists and regular activists, we were on a panel, and I told uh, the panel it was you know off the record panel in the evening, and I said, look, the way China, Chinese uh, Chinese Chinese government is acting, I think they will take over Hong Kong pretty soon. Right, and uh, she asked me when. I said, look, this is November, Christmas is coming, New Year is coming. When world is distracted, they will take over. She said. No, Lobsang will not let that happen. Do you see our, you know, youth in the streets, umbrella movement? World attention is on us. Hundred, two hundred, three lakhs of you know, you people are there protesting. There is no way they can do it. And it happened in June, right? Mm-hmm. So, world well, attention was there.
0: That was just a social media activity. The wo- the umbrella protest. Um, so you
1: know, when you have two, three hundred thousand people in the street, can that's can a big deal. It? Yeah, and then. And then she asked me, and then I said, By the way, I said, Look, at the moment you have all the attention of the world. Once they come and crack down, take over, I'll say parliaments and leaders will issue press statements and make speeches, and then they will pass resolutions and they'll be in mo- you know, a protest and all that. After six months, you lose that. And after one year, you'll be on the fourth page of newspapers. So I, I have my friends now, and I, did, I told you guys, right?
0: What did the Uyghurs say who were there?
1: Yes, Uyghurs said the same thing. Yes, we, we went through this, you know. We went through this. And now, among the Uyghurs, Hong Kongers, and, you know, uh, including Taiwanese and Mongolians, uh, Tibetans are the kind of veterans, the elder brothers, so to speak, thanks to His solidness, the We have been through this roller coaster, right? Uh, you know, up and down, support, come and support, disappear, support, come and support, disappear, you know. I said, yeah. we have been through this. So, you know, thank goodness Buddhist notion of impermanence applies even in movement, right? We Mm. went through, we go through this notion of impermanence, you know. Mm. And I said, what do you need? I said, philosophically, you should practice Mm. equanimity in Buddhism, you know. Mm. So you should be constant, believe in yourself um, and then keep continuing your fight. So Taiwan is in a very precarious position. Mm. So, you know, yes, they have semiconductor and very advanced ships and all that, which Mm. is true. Mm. Uh, They are precious, they are democratic. And if you look at Ukraine, you know, the way uh, European countries came and supported them, which is all good. But they are doing it because it's next door. Right. All the 50 countries in Europe, at least 27 of them, you know, and the NATO members are supporting Ukraine because they are next door. Now, if it happens in Taiwan. Now, we can count which country in Asia will come to support of Taiwan. Right. Japan. Korea, maybe. It looks like Philippines will provide all the airfields, you know. Hmm. Maybe Indonesia. But then, in, 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 in Ukraine, 50 European countries, particularly 27, are supplying them anything they need, everything they could. America is fully supplying and supporting them. Still, Ukraine is barely defending their country. Yeah. Now, look at Taiwan. How many countries in Asia will come? Yeah. To fight along with, if America is involved, how many? India also has a choice, right? To, to be or not to be. Yeah. If you are not with America and defend Taiwan, then India will lose all the neighboring countries. They'll say, you know what? It's better to be, you know, f- make peace with bully uh, than a friend who will not come to a rescue, you know? Yeah. So if you do, then you are engaged, then the Galwan and, you know, um, Doklam and Arunachal Pradesh. It's a
0: difficult situation.
1: It is a difficult situation. So, and then also if you if you study this, you know, the World War um, of 2000 years, mm. before you become number one, mm. you must make sure that there is no potential number two in your area. So, for example, America became number one. They made sure that Canada and Mexico are nowhere near. Even Brazil is nowhere near number two. So that America can go out to be number one of the world, right? So this is what happened with British, Russia, and Germany. Why First World War, Second World War came? Because they were multipolar world, right? Everybody wanted number one and number two was coming. They fight against, make sure that number two doesn't come up, right? Mm-hmm. In your region. So now Asia, who is number two to China? India, mm. right? Now China has to make sure that there is no potential number two because if there is actual war between China and America, right? If they started destroying each other, The
0: India, bad weather is India.
1: Yes, India has a chance to shine, right? That both America and, you know, China knows that, you know. So why there are tensions in the borders of India, you know, from Galwan to all these places. Mm. It's Sri Lanka, Namal Maldives, you know, you can clearly see that Bangladesh, of course, they are they're trying to make inroads, you know. Mm. This is to check, make sure that India, you know. Uh, Doesn't does it, grow
0: when China and America are preoccupied with their war
1: because war the, in the
0: uh, sense undeclared war.
1: Undeclared. So you know to be number one. Yeah, but na- now China advocates in you know, a multipolar world, but they want unipolar Asia. You know they yeah. want to be number one. G
0: one. Yes.
1: So you know. So India also has to now. You know, think this to carefully. Me,
0: uh, you were talking about uh, the Taiwanese youth yes. who now see themselves as Taiwanese Mm -hmm. and not as Chinese, Um, is there like between the Tibetans and the Taiwanese, do the youth not think that, okay, here is China, you know, growing Mm -hmm. at this huge rate and Mm -hmm. this prosperity. Why can't we be part of that? Isn't it better to be aligned with the China because it'll be a better lifestyle, growth, prosperity? Um, why not? You look at the gleaming buildings of Shanghai, you look at the gleaming buildings uh, of Beijing, and you see this power which might be the superpower. So why not? The only superpower or number one power. So among the Tibetans, there was never that desire to be part of that. And among the Taiwanese, there's no desire to be part of that.
1: So when Chinese troops first came to Tibet, we were uh, promised progress, right? Connecting one highway from China to Tibet. Hmm. So I said, hey, if you're bringing progress, we don't mind living side by side, you know, some kind of accommodation, right? Tibetan leaders, we all agreed. But then that one highway became like you know, hundred roads leading to all the minerals. Mm. You know, the highway brought arms, troops started killing people. So we said, hey, we don't like this other side of the agreement. You essentially want to brutalize us and make a second class citizen in our own country. That's
0: crushing your religious and that's, cultural that's uh, ethnicities. So what they want
1: is submission, you know, what they want to do is subjugation. Hmm. So that we can't take. So we are also very proud of identity. So similarly in Taiwan, the sense of identity is based on your nationhood and your sense of pride. So, you know, you can't, you know, you know, it's sentimental, it's emotional. You can't buy, you know, sense of identity, you know, hmm. because for identity, how many wars were fought, right? Hmm. So, yes, I'm sure that's what Taiwanese now 62, 66 percent, if it crosses 70 percent, tipping point, they want to think themselves as Taiwanese. They're thinking that. Now, there, there is a group of Taiwanese, right? Uh, two million or so who work in Ta- China, who make money uh, working in China, right? They might have some mixed feelings, but then among them also, I was told, many of think actually, you know, their sense of Taiwanese pride is stronger than uh, making money. Uh, Mr. Sahi,
0: you are you've been Prime Minister in exile. In two thousand and five, when the Dalai Lama said Tibet doesn't want to be part, doesn't want freedom, freedom movement is over. He reiterated in twenty seventeen. Did you feel let down, or did you agree with it that there's no point anymore?
1: Um, yes, as there's no pro- also kind of uh, um, objection by Tibetan Youth Congress, which I used to belong to and a student group and some other groups, you know, saying, why should we give up our you know, country? But then if you read um, his holiness Dalam's explanation, uh, it's not an abrupt decision, it's an evolution. Mm. For example, he was in India in 1956 to celebrate the 2,500 you know, uh, anniversary of Buddha Jainty. So he requested the Indian government then. He said, I want to stay in India. I don't want to go back because I know what's happening. It looks dangerous. Like, and then the Chinese Prime Minister, Chau and Lai, visited India three times in six months' time, okay, to persuade Nehru to persuade Dalai Lama to go back,
2: mm.
1: you know. And uh, now this, uh, the archive, you know, uh, material is being released now and you can clearly see based on Chao and Lai's request, uh, Nehru advised Dalai Lama to go back with the promise that Chinese Prime Minister is going to give you autonomy, You have signed the 17-point agreement. It will be protected, preserved. Um, And then he goes back and the destruction happens. Occupation of Tibet happens. Killings happen. He comes back. Again, his is obviously, you lost your country. You want to advocate for your independence, right? And then at that time, now you can't blame India again at the same time because you're nervous because uh, China is powerful, you know, it, anything could happen. The border is very new, uh, you know, incursion, anything could happen. So uh, India was playing a mediating role. Mm. And even then, the Indian government advises dialog don't advocate independence. You know, America is not going to fight for you. Europe is not going to fight for you. Russia is not going to fight for you. Unless someone fights for you, you know, you can't win your independence, you know. And then, you know, them a tries United Nations. Uh, 59, 60, 65, mm. three resolutions passed, no independence, you know. Barely self-determination. Mm. He tries to travel around the world. He didn't get visas. In uh, 1976 or 70, uh, seven odd, he starts traveling. First mm. time to Thailand and Indonesia, then rest of the world, right. And no one was supporting Tibet's and independence. And everywhere
0: he's advised by the local government yes. not to speak about China. Uh, so it, it's not uh, as if he went there and spoke about the freedom movement. He only spoke about religion and yeah. he spoke about peace and brotherhood.
1: That's it. And then, and then he concluded, okay, reality is, even if I want to, no one is going to support you, far less fight for you. Hmm. Number two, China and Tibet has been neighbors for a long time. And we had some kind of rela- relationship, you know, priest-patron relationship, <coughs> some kind of relationship. So let's have a relationship, right? And hmm. it says, and based on Buddhist faith, hmm based on trust Hmm.
2: and compassion
1: and kindness, I'll say, okay, we come to the middle ground. Let's find a middle way. So don't suppress and destroy Tibet. Don't suppress Tibetans and destroy Tibet. And I will not seek independence if genuine autonomy is granted to Tibetans. So, Holiness has not just logical reason, Hmm. but based on solid evidence Hmm. where the international community, including India, stands, you know. Yeah. And, you know, what China is capable of and what was happening in Tibet, it still continues to happen I mean, destruction of whole civilization, culture and repression of Tibetans, you know. Mm-hmm. So he said, let's save ourselves first, you know, and have autonomy you know, if we could do that. So that's why he said, let's have, you know, middle way um, and, uh, you know, middle way policy came about um, and then to seek genuine autonomy for the Tibetan people. So when explained in full, you understand. Now, practically, I also n- learned Uyghurs were advocating independence.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: There was uh, the uh, lady leader, but she was not even allowed to travel to many places in Europe, mm. in Asia, simply because she was advocating. And Chinese say so.
2: Mm.
1: Now, if we advocate, even the European countries say, hey, we, we believe in one China policy. We have signed on dotted line. We have signed treaties with China. We can't give you access. You can't come here and say all these things, right? So, and the middle way is a brilliant strategy. Mm. It gives us access around the world, right? You can advocate your cause. You can explain the whole thing and then you can keep your issue alive.
0: Is the issue and the cause still alive for Tibet?
1: Of course. Now, ultimately, now, this mm. is based on my, you know, uh, 10 years of experience and, you know, observing for all these years. Ultimately, your cause... Whether it's alive or not is dependent in you, in your heart of hearts. You're Tibetan. As long as you believe your cause is alive, hmm. as long as you believe you'll fight for your cause, it will be alive. Because as I said, in the last sixty years, if you consider nineteen fifty-one, almost seventy years, we have been through this roller coaster. Some support comes, some support don't come, but we keep at it, keep uh, talking.
0: God give Dalai Lama a long and healthy life, but. Uh, uh, he is—he's uh, not been keeping very well. Uh, Beijing has announced that he is a separatist, and they reserve the right to choose the next Dalai Lama. What happens next?
1: Two words: His Holiness the Dalai Lama is healthy. Um, you know, he says he'll live beyond hundred years, and we do pray and wish that he lives beyond hundred years because for us, he is in the life and soul of you know Tibetan cause. Uh, he has played an instrumental role in advocating for Tibet and keeping the issue alive for Tibet and global support for all these years. So no one has done more for Tibet than him. Um, And as far as Chinese claim that they will select the next Dalai Lama, one word, nonsense. They have no right whatsoever. I mean, can you imagine the audacity? What they're saying is, Dalai Lama cannot choose his reincarnation. We will choose for him. They say, Dalai Lama has no right to choose his own reincarnation. But we have the right. Nonsense. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, I've written a whole piece on foreign affairs. I can go through the whole elaboration if you're interested. But their main claim is that during Qing Dynasty, 1793, the Qing passed an ordinance called 29-point ordinance, and Article 1 was about reincarnation. Mm. That's the main claim. So there was a law which was implemented and the golden urn was used and, and there was a Chinese officer in that ceremony thereby we selected Dalai Lamas and hence we should have the right so they're giving bringing history back now there's a professor Lao from Hong Kong University okay his engineering back he has done this major archival resource uh, research and his conclusion is he did um, five different sources of Qing records official mm-hmm. records he said None of this, hundreds of hundreds of documents. He says the 29-point ordinance doesn't exist. 1793 law doesn't exist. And then he says there is no original Chinese copy. No, there is copy of the Chinese, you know, the 29-point ordinance. No original Tibetan copy, nor even duplicate copy of in the ordinance, only thing that they have is a noting supposedly taken by an Amban official. That also in Tibetan, hmm. with or somewhat without seal. So, what the basis of their claim? The twenty-nine point ordinance just doesn't exist. Right? Now, only thing left they have left is this golden urn, which is there, right? and they put three sticks with ivory, ivory sticks, uh, in which supposedly three names are written. One hmm. will be picked, and that will be the reincarnation. But then, if you analyze that golden urn, so traditionally, all the Dalai Lamas, the regions especially, and Tibetans do that too, all the Lamas do. When you do divination, it's called divination, you know. Um, you put in a bowl, you know, you have a dough, you put three names in it, and then you pray mm. in front of a deity, and mm. you roll it, you roll it, you roll it, and one name pops up. Mm. And so it's, okay, the, he is the reincarnation, Right. Or, if you want to be more sure, he would put the name back. Again, pray, 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 and then, you know, roll the doughs. And then one pops out and open it. Now, if three out of three, the same name comes up, confirmed. Uh, You know, two out of three comes up, confirmed, right? So that's how they do it. It's a traditional practice. They used to do that. The only thing Chinese did was replace the bowl with the urn and replace the dough with three ivory sticks. sticks. So they've just changed the material, they are claiming we have the final authority because you use golden urn, right? Just so by changing material, you have no right whatsoever.
0: So will uh, Dalai Lama, uh, will the current Dalai Lama choose his successor? How does it work?
1: Now, in September of 2011, he said three ways, right? Hmm. So one, um, you know, he, he could go through selection, hmm. which is like all the cardinals meeting and selecting the Pope. Hmm. High Lamas could meet and select the Pope. Uh, so there is, there is no conventional uh, precedent per se, mm. so least likely. Mm. Second is emanation. Emanation is not conventional, but uh, uh, some lamas do practice, which means while the Lama is alive or the Lama is alive, he will designate a 10-year-old boy or 9-year-old boy as a successor. Mm. Say. After I die, he will be my successor.
2: Mm.
1: So that's emanation. Third is reincarnation. Reincarnation is like, you know, Hindu tradition. So one has to die. Mm. Then his soul. And in Hindu, it's called Atma. But in Buddhism, is a little different. It's consciousness mm. will transfer uh, you know to the womb of a mother and the infant is born. And then after three or four years, again, the regent has to, f- you know, find the, find the boy.
0: boy. Mm. And
1: then he will be ordained and then enthroned. So that's how you find it. So we have, you know, hundreds of years of practice, Hmm. a tradition of selecting reincarnation. Chinese have no business whatsoever. I mean, they are communists, they are atheists. They destroy monasteries, they destroy, destroy monks and nuns. They don't believe in religion and they have no right whatsoever to select, you know, religious leader.
0: Okay. Uh, There's one more question I have on the Dalai Lama. But before that, here's a short primer about my next question. The Dalai Lama this year faced allegations of inappropriate behavior after kissing a young boy on the lips and asking him to, quote, suck his tongue at a public event in Dharamshala. The office of the Dalai Lama later said, and I quote, His holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. He regrets the incident. So this incident which happened where he, you know, asked this little boy, uh, to kiss him and was it was it tradition do you think was it what was it that got or do you think it was blown out of proportion it got a lot of flack for the Dalai yes. Lama
1: so no it was not just blown out of proportion you know it was in a very sinister disinformation campaign hmm. launched by a Chinese blogger YouTuber
2: hmm. right
1: so if you watch the whole two minutes video boy says your illness, can I come hug you? Mother says, hey, don't do that, it's disrespectful. But then illness, you know, doesn't hear it properly. and says, come, come, right? He says, kiss me it, on yeah. one cheek. And, and then, you know, they hug, mm. and then they kiss one cheek, other. Uh, and then he says, oh, you can also, you know, um, mm. uh, suck my tongue. He says that. And then boys, oh, he says. And then they part ways. Um, and later, uh, right after the event, the boy was interviewed, mother was interviewed, and boy said, oh, I was so grateful. His son's gave me this, he felt special. Mother was full praise of his holiness. Even the grandfather was, you know, the whole audience at that time, you know, it, around 500 people, no one felt anything awkward or, or unusual about it. Mainly because his son is a very playful person, you know. You meet anyone, um, I've interacted with him and I've, you know, accompanied him in so many events. He says anyone with a long beard, he will pull you. Mm-hmm. If someone has a long uh, nose, he will either twist you or touch touches his nose. If he has eyebrow, anything, he will, if you're bald, he will slap you. I mean, he's just a playful person. He has this, you know, the Child-like. child's innocence. Uh. Yeah, he just and no one's, you know, if you if you have if you if you're really fat, he's a fat fat fat. No one feels offended, you know. He's political incorrect because his innocence, right? he said the same thing it's you know in, a, in a, you know tibetans are the same thing you know the grandparents that you give them gifts and when you run run, run out of all the sweets and all that right if you keep asking him okay you know you take my tongue you know yeah. so in a way it's a grandfatherly way you know so you know, he has been a celibate for 80 plus years right i mean you know he is as pure and as innocent and as saintly as divine as one could be i mean you know um, so when did it broke out it was shocking how news media. But then when you do actual research, you find this Chinese blogger, YouTuber, reduced the two minutes into six seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And then he sells it to, you know, including Indian YouTubers, okay, YouTube mm-hmm. influencers to other people. He said, hey, you know, it, it makes them share it. And everybody starts sharing it. After some, it becomes a million views, right? These are all, if you actually analyze this, even including Indian YouTubers, other YouTubers are like, they always distribute pro-China, uh, issues, right? And up suddenly it becomes a million views. And then some, even in Indian newspapers, they were like, oh, there's a million views. Why not we share it, write something about it? And then also, you know, His office issues an uh, explanation with an apology. I think it should not have happened because there was nothing to apologize for. His was innocent, he didn't make a mistake. Then the major newspapers thought, oh, His issued his office has issued an apology. That itself is a news. Then it just, you know, it was blown out of proportion. But then this is what how disinformation campaign happens. So
0: China, you've seen that probably in the US also, where the Americans are now sitting up to see how disinformation campaign by China uh, goes into American campuses, American media. And India is also waking up to that now.
2: Yeah.
1: Now disinformation is child's play. Now, they have police stations in 50 countries, Chinese police station in 50 countries, right? There's spies and all all the whole infrastructure is in place. In uh, the Confucius Institute in different universities, once it's set up, you can't talk about Tibet, you can't talk about Taiwan, you can't talk about Hong Kong. Like that. Just, you know, they just give uh, half a million dollars to establish one Confucius Institute which teaches Chinese language and culture. Then there's a chilling effect in the whole university. So these huge, sophisticated system that they have, and create disharmony and disinformation in your own countries, go against your own people, including Chinese and Tibetans who are American citizens, are followed and tracked by these, you know, Chinese uh, people in Chinese police station. Are you followed? Of course. One should assume that, you know. Now, again, about his holiness, right? So, Hmm. you can clearly see how they have manipulated and people fell for it. So next time, including Indian media, should be very careful when something like that happened, you know, happens it's like, oh, let's analyze this properly. What is the source? Like, like you said, right, the AP, A, ANI competition as to yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, leaks the, uh, who, who releases the photo first, right? There's always this competition. Oh, this is b- big news. I should, you know. Uh, you know, you know. There's a
0: parallel. Cover I'd, it first. I'd, yes. I'd, the first thing it struck me was that uh, you would have seen sometimes Prime Minister Modi, when a child comes, he pulls the ear mm. of the kid mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. uh, and there are many uh, uh, in the Indian media. He say "What a creepy thing he's done! Why is mm-hmm. he pulling is pulling the kid's ear like that? Or else he does that." Yeah. To the kid. Now, if you haven't grown up with grandparents, yeah. you don't know that in India mm-hmm. it's a cultural thing to yeah, pull yeah. a kid's ears like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably what happened with the, the Dalai Lama, I'm presuming.
1: Yes, 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 it happened. So that's why the boy and the mother and grandfather uh, and anyone in that surrounding at that particular time didn't bother. Mm. So the news broke out 40 days later. Hmm. When the news came out, the event that happened, it mm. took 40 days for this Chinese blogger, YouTuber to find it mm. and make it a six seconds, you know, uh, video mm. and then share it. And that's how he did. And later he claimed, I, the Chinese, managed to destroy his solidness he, he himself declared it, you know. Yeah. So this very, uh, to have his solidness alarm, I mean, can you imagine... Such a saintly divine person to be accused of something which is like unthinkable, you know. Mm. So, this is very, you know, sad, but absolutely, you know, uh, uh, Chinese creation. So, they are quite, uh, you know, capable of doing all this. You know, one thing, uh, for example, CGTN, Chinese government television network, Mm. if you uh, look at their Facebook account, they have 135 million subscribers. Yeah. It's more than BBC, CNN, Al Jazeera and ANI combined. Mm. Can you imagine? In English, in English, not in Chinese, okay? CGT in English. So this is like no Chinese in China are subscribing. It's only English-speaking people subscribing. So their propaganda machine has penetrated so much, the tentacles you know, of Communist Party is everywhere, including India. So we should be very, very careful how good, how fast how well-oiled machine they have become. Mm. So looking at the boy, even for Rinkani, Shisal and Zalem, they will be in, you know, huge, massive propaganda launch.
0: So firewalls should be in place while consuming media which is coming out from China, you feel?
1: Absolutely. You know, so first suspect the source, verify twice, Mm. then only, you know, uh, thinking about covering it, not in the front page, somewhere in the fourth page and see how it goes. Right? So
0: you have experienced that simply because uh, you've been part of, uh, you've been in America, you yeah. have, you know, visited so many campuses. You yourself have a fabulous educational background. What about the Tibetan youth in India? Now you're talking about second generation Tibetan youth. Um, what do you think about them? You know, because uh, one, I you were talking about your father who was part of the guerrilla force. Now, there are many Tibetans who are part of special forces. Now, again, that has come into focus. This, The special forces go back like, you know, you're talking about British India yeah, time. Yeah. Then, and then subsequently later, the Tibetans are told to be non-violent by the Dalai Lama. But then the Tibetans are part of Ladakh scouts, part of the special forces, fighting for India. Do you understand where I'm coming mm-hmm. from? How does it work for them that they are told by their religious head that don't fight for the Tibetan cause? It's a non-violent movement. But as a profession, they are part of the special forces. They fought in the liberation war of Bangladesh. They fought in Kargil. They are now on the LAC fighting China, but not for the Tibetan cause, for the Indian cause. How do you see that?
1: Now, officially...
0: Nobody knows what is the SFF. <laughs>
1: No, uh, officially, I can't confirm. It's an open secret, you know. <laughs> so whenever questions like this come, we are in a very difficult position. Yeah. So we can't confirm <laughs> nor deny. Mm. But all I can say is that uh, people of Tibetan heritage in India have sacrificed their lives for many, 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 many wars, thinking that, you know, our turn will come as well, you know, uh, to do something for the cause of Tibet. So other than that i can't add yeah so uh because they were born and brought up in india right so technically they are you know indians
0: yeah ethnic tibetans yes. i would say like you know in mm-hmm. the in these special forces and they it's come to light all over again uh recently um for those who don't know uh the special forces they were under the uh, intelligence bureau at one point of time uh then they came under A- the raw, R-A-W yeah. after when raw came into existence mm-hmm. which is the india which is india's external arm and indira gandhi is supposed to have sent uh the the Tibetan forces rather, the special forces to fight in the 71 war and the Eastern command where General Jacob was heading, the Eastern command, he didn't want the special forces because they are paramilitary, right? They are not under the Indian army, technically. They were under IB, the Intelligence Bureau, and then when RAW was created, under the RAW. So he didn't want them out there, but they are known for their bravery. They're known for the special tactics and they're known for being cause driven, uh, not just their training. Uh, they're cause-driven. So uh, Indra Gandhi and rn Kao, who was heading uh, RAW at that time, supposed to have started it. And then there was Kargil uh, war. Then the Dalai Lama also went, if I'm not mistaken, uh, during the Kargil war, he went and met the special uh, forces. And he's supposed to have uh, the, Lala- the Ladakh scouts, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. He went and spoke with them. Now here is this apostle of peace and he meets... With people of Tibetan origin who are fighting in the Indian forces, I find it a very interesting uh, uh, combination which happens.
1: Now I can't confirm all these things, um, you know, uh, mainly because you know, you know, you know to His Holiness didn't go to meet them. You know mm. that I can confirm, mm. but it's just that you know all kinds of people, that anyone who wants to meet with His Holiness to get blessing from His Holiness. And you are uh, you're welcome to come, right? Uh, so, yes. And then, you know, yeah, they in the, in, went to,
0: in, Before going to Chorbatla, they went and took the blessings of the Dalai Lama. So the Dalai Lama didn't bless the operation, but blessed those who came to meet him.
1: He blesses Every. anywhere from two hundred to five hundred people from all over the world, and we don't do any background checks, right? Yeah. Now, if you do background checks, someone might say, "My God, you know this." I'm person going did for something, my BA
0: exam. <laughs> uh, what
1: uh, BA exam, or you know, anyone, any you know. background? And he says, as "I want to be open. Hmm. Uh, anyone can come, you know, meet with me." And he blesses everybody as sentient beings, right? Hmm. So, so other than that, I don't think we can say you know he blessed. Uh, Hmm. a major mission or something like that yeah but you know I mean yes I mean they've been you know even in Sajan glaciers the early you know uh, people who went there were of Tibetan uh, people of Tibetan heritage Hmm. the first one to go to Sajan glaciers but I like what you
0: say that uh, that this happens on the side because the cause is greater than the mm. methods. It, yes. There is a peaceful nonviolent struggle and uh, what you do, which is spread the message mm. of the Tibetan cause. But there is also an enemy and there are various ways to fight an enemy. And you are certain that the enemy is China, the cause is Tibet, and there are many ways to get your independence.
1: But as long well as Dalai Lama advocates you know, nonviolence and Tibetan government exile or CTA advocates nonviolence, so we adhere to nonviolence. Mm. Now this is an Indian setup mm. under Indian government, you know. Mm. So their background is of course uh, of Tibetan heritage, and they're very brave from Seychin to Kargil mm. to you know, all over the border uh, of India. You know, uh, people of Tibetan heritage have made lots of sacrifices, mm. and so you know, uh, it's right recently they've been applauded for their bravery, uh, for their sacrifices, and finally recognized as well, right? Uh, so that's uh, they really deserve hmm. uh, but then officially we cannot confirm anything.
0: Right, uh, so in final conclusion I would still like to ask you because you know it's it's a difficult situation the country, the, the world is going to go through a turbulent phase because of elections and like you said with the Taiwan situation do you feel at any point of time dejected that the Tibetan cause is a lost cause? No, no not at all,
1: I mean we are Buddhists, you know, we believe in notion of impermanence, right? So, uh, you know, Explain that to me. Impermanence means, you know, I mean, nothing is permanent. You are born, you die, right? So you're there today, you might not be there tomorrow. So once you believe that, what happens is that this is not a nihilistic, fatalistic notion. You always have hope.
2: Hmm.
1: So it's just a cycle. So, you know, there is a Tibetan nation, there is Tibetan civilization, there, there is Tibetan people and there is Tibetan cause. That will always be alive, no matter what. As long as you believe in yourself, you keep fighting, you keep talking about it, you travel around the world, you have to keep it alive, you know. On the one hand, our job is easy, you have to survive, right? As long as you survive, your moment comes and then, you know, you take your share. You take what's your right. Chinese government, you know, the Chinese army, they have to keep increasing their power. They have to keep remaining powerful. The moment they lose their power, we will assert our identity. We will assert, you know, what is ours, right? So as long as you survive, your time will come because it's, it's inevitable. Great power from Mughals to British, you just name it, you know. How many empires have come and how many empires have gone? And China will inevitably go, um, the Communist Party of China too.
0: father's generation Mm. was the conflict generation which lost a country. Your generation is a generation of relative peace Mm -hmm. uh, and hope. What do you see for the next generation of Tibetans around the world?
1: Yeah, as long as you educate them, create awareness, you know, it will it will remain alive. For example, India also, the first generation lost the country. But after 250 some years, that generation, you know, uh, took back India, took back India, right? So for Jewish people, right, for 2,000 years, they, you know, 2,000 plus years in used and Diaspora, everywhere. Finally, they regrouped and, you know, formed Israel. So there are so many communities around the world. Who have been under some, and you just can't say, gen, you never know which generation will be more nationalistic. Even in India now, you know, in the 70 years, 75 plus years of independence, maybe this generation is more nationalistic. Look at the cricket, cricket team, right? Mm-hmm. They don't feel we are cornered. We'll say we'll beat them, right? Yes. The sense of nas- nas- national pride, the assertion comes at a particular moment. So if you study any civil rights or any freedom movement, it always goes up and down. Hmm. But when the moment comes, if you have survived, you get... What your is your victory. hope
0: from India and from the Indian government?
1: Um, I hope, you know, uh, d- given all this border attention, everything, I hope the government of India will come out uh, and support and perhaps recognize Tibetan government exile, you know, CTA, in some form. Why I say this is, for 10 years, I could not enter the State Department in White House. From two thousand one to 2000, 2011 to two thousand twenty, I couldn't enter because you are government exile. We don't recognize you. So I mean, it, it, it was it was a double standard. They, they allowed they allowed Syrian interim government to visit White House and the State Department. The Venezuelan interim government to visit. You know, but they, that's the Henry Kissinger Nixon legacy. that you got your ex-
0: American citizenship after that?
1: No, no, no. I had American citizens. But But you were not allowed. In my official position Ah. as Sikyong, I was not allowed. But finally, we passed... As Prime
0: Minister of the Exile Government. Yes. Yes.
1: So finally, in 2020, we passed a law, Tibetan Policy and Support Act, which included everything. Reincarnation, history, importance of environment of Tibet and Hmm. diplomatic relationship funding. And I made sure that two lines were included. Central Tibetan Administration reflects and represents Tibetans in exile. Hmm. And Sikyong is the president, my title, right? Is the president of the Tibetan government exile. So finally, Dharmasala Bay's exile administration is acknowledged as part of the law. My office is also acknowledged in that law. Thereby, I could, I entered the State Department and White House in the final year of my term. My successor has been able to enter the State Department, right? So that recognition helped. Hmm. So we've been here uh, in, ex- in India for 60 years. And India has been really a great host for it. I will always say this. Other than India, I don't think anyone could have, you know, done or supported as much. Of course, we had our own issues and adjustment and learning from each other. But India has done the most for Tibetans. So as a guest, we can't ask for more. But now that you asked, they say, why not we have some kind of formal status, mm-hmm. you know. That will go a long way. Also, Americans have made it very clear on reincarnation that it is for the Dalai Lama to decide, and Ganden Purang Trust will coordinate, right? Mm. And any Chinese official who gets involved in it will be sanctioned. Similarly, India can say His Holiness Dalai Lama is an honored guest. We always respect religious leaders. Whatever His Holiness Dalai Lama decides, we fully support. Right. Then the rest of the world will say, you know what, we should follow this logical and supportive, right? Other than that, at the human, humanitarian level, I got education from Tibetan Refugee School subsidized by the government of India. We are very grateful, you know. So that level, of course, you know, the opportunities and things that could be improved here and there, but at a major level. Then if Tibetan government exile or CTA is given some kind of recognition, then we can come out, if not legally, at least politically say, Tawang belongs to India. Mm. We say that, but it doesn't have effect in the sense who are you to say it you know mm-hmm. um, we claim ourselves mm-hmm. to be an exile administration but india itself doesn't give us that status yeah right? so that it doesn't have you know political validity far less legal validity it's just it's just you know our aspirations and our sentiments right to have political validity if you give some form of recognition you say here we have the recognition we can say this this is the border this is the Galwan issue. This Doklam issue. What we have, we have been saying, we'll have political gravitas mm-hmm. in what we say. So these two things I can't, you know, okay, uh, think of. Yeah.
0: On that note, thank you very much for being part of this conversation and educating us about the situation uh, y- where your struggles come from. And uh, all the best to you from ANI and from our viewers.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Great to be. In your show and uh, uh, like, I have watched your show and then, you know, like, I enjoyed watching. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed being, you know, talking to you face to face.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for watching or listening to this edition of the ANI podcast with Smita Prakash. Do like or subscribe on whichever channel you have seen this or heard this. Namaste. Jai Hind.